Welcome everyone to the Cracking the Business Code podcast. This is our inaugural episode. We're so excited to get this going. It's sponsored by Lighthouse Consulting Services, LLC. And it's a look inside how business consulting can help you with higher performance at your business. And today, our special guest is one of our senior consultants at Lighthouse. It's Patrick McClure. He's a recognized expert in sales performance. Uh, Coach Pat works with management and sales teams nationwide to drive maximum sales performance and dramatically increase revenues. In his corporate career with IBM, Hitachi Data Systems, EDS, and digital equipment, he was directly responsible for selling over $150 million in products and services. Patrick's an award-winning public speaker and author of three best-selling books and uh, my buddy for many years. Uh, it's so great. Uh, Patrick, welcome. How are you today? I'm just fine. Thank you so much, Henry. You, you didn't tell me I was in the inaugural series. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of pressure today, Patrick. A lot of pressure. So oh. let's get right into it. Who are the people you work with these days? Who are the businesses that you are helping through Lighthouse Consulting? Well, my, my target clientele is normally the small to medium businesses. And I work with the sales organizations. I'm normally brought in by the CEO or by the board of directors. But the size of the organizations is normally anywhere from five to a hundred million. And they normally have a sales force of between two all the way up to a hundred. And my specialty is optimizing performance in the sales organization. So that's pretty much the target. I deal with a lot of manufacturing companies as well as technology companies. So software, hardware, uh, manufacturing, both process and speed. So there's a lot of smaller manufacturers that really need a lot of help in order to be able to position their products and sell very uh, adroitly. And so that's pretty much my target market at this point. Why? Why are they bringing you in? The number one reason that I'm brought in is, unfortunately or fortunately, is triage. It's they've discovered there's trouble in River City. Uh, sales are down or their sales VP just got quit or got fired. And suddenly sales are down and they need somebody to come in and turn it around. I'm pretty much a turnaround specialist. Now, the other type, which is probably more like 30 to 40%, is where the company is, you know, it's an emerging growth company. They are expanding so rapidly that they need somebody to come on board to fill the infrastructure, where I get involved with uh, designing the sales processes, optimizing how they're selling, working on their scripting, also doing a little bit of recruiting and bringing on new people. So it's basically, I'm asked sometimes to build of the infrastructure around their sales organization. And so I get them on the, on the you know, when they're going down or when they're going up, either way, when there's a lot of change going on. So let's talk about this point in time. We're in January, 2022, this uh, pandemic, uh, two years, and we're still going. A lot of changes in the workforce and, and how people are organized and where they're actually working out of. How is that all factoring in into the consulting you're doing? 
Well, number one, the thing I used to do an awful lot of face-to-face -face consulting where I would go on site and I would work with the sales organizations or the sales executives. And I would actually go on calls with them. I would listen in on calls on the phone or I would actually physically go on calls. And I would do a lot of physical meetings and physical training. That was pre-COVID. Well, obviously when COVID hit, now the option of meeting with customers your clients face-to-face -face was no longer on the table. And so I had to, like a lot of companies, I had to pivot. I had to change how I was delivering my services. So now most of my services now are on COVID and over, over the phone or via email. And I deliver a lot of coaching over the phone or via Zoom. So I had to make that transition. Uh, instead of doing face-to-face -face speaking, I do a lot of public speaking. I started doing Zoom speaking. And I started working on mastering the skills of being able to communicate more effectively over Zoom. And uh, so I've done an awful lot of that. But the biggest transition was that I recently rolled out a, uh, a delivery, a, a, a speech series that I'm delivering on the future of selling or the future of sales, where I projected not only what's happening now because of COVID and because of the remote selling, but also what's happening with things like uh, big data with artificial intelligence, with massive data sources, and how the world, the changing world is affecting how we sell. So I've, I've been developing an expertise in speaking a lot on that recently. So the answer, the short answer is massive changes as a result of COVID. And the modern salesperson is having to learn some skills now that they never had to master before. Let's talk more about that, how to navigate the new rule, the new rules, the new world of selling. Uh, tell us more. Well, the new world of selling, uh, in the past, you used to be able to do voicemail, you used to be able to do email, you used to be able to make face-to-face -face calls, you used to pick up the phone quite a bit and talk to people. And fortunately or unfortunately, COVID has shifted all of that, along with the fact that most of the gray hairs, most of the baby boomers, most of the uh, uh, Gen Xers are exiting the workforce. So you have a much younger and younger workforce. They're much more used to virtual communication. They're much more willing to respond to a, a video. Uh, they will respond to LinkedIn Connects. They will respond to TikTok. They will respond to electronic media and videos. So the way you acquire new customers really shifts. In the past, you used to be able to make phone calls or you used to do emails. Well, statistics are showing that people aren't responding to emails anymore. You know, your, your typical executive gets over 150 emails in a single day. And, you know, if they actually take the time to look at their emails, all they're doing is scanning the subjects. So they're looking for what are the top two or three things that I need to read today? Most often they're doing either that or they're delegating there to, uh, to their administrative staff to do that. And voicemails, interesting statistic, about 80% of voicemails are not only not listened to, uh, they're not responded to, they're not listened to, and oftentimes voicemails are just deleted and nobody even listens to them. So uh, the salespeople today have a real problem. The real problem is how do I get appointments or how do I get meetings with the people that I need to talk to? And it's increasingly more and more difficult to get mind share, timeshare, and time on somebody's calendar. And that's one of the biggest challenges that salespeople have 
these days. Patrick, I was interviewing two people who are in sales and they work for different companies. And they were both talking about their leadership was perplexed and just said, we're just gonna do more emails and we want you to be on the phone more. And that is just not how the world works these days, is it? No, no, it isn't. It's not so much the quantity of calls because I've worked in, with boiler rooms. I've worked with a lot of telemarketing organizations. And oftentimes the metric in the past was how many dials, how many dials, how many dials, how many connects. And you would have, you would have salespeople that were hitting the dial button and they were dialing 150, 200 dials a day and maybe connecting with you know, 20 or 30 people. Now, the same number of dials is gonna lead you maybe two calls. And, and not only that, the, the question is, when you, actually, when you actually have somebody pick up the phone, what do you tell them? It has to be a high quality, well-researched, impactful, compelling message right from the start of in the first 30 seconds. Otherwise, you've lost their attention. And that's not the way you used to do it in the past, but that's how you have to do it now. So it's much more quality versus quantity wins the game these days. To support what you said, Patrick, I just read a book called The Priority Sale by Brian Gray. And in his research, he's saying, one, um, by the time you get called in for information, they've already narrowed it down to two or three. So they've used the internet to get it down to two or three people. The other oh, yeah. thing he found is you better be the priority sale. You better be speaking to their priority uh, when you, you know, if you're scanning those emails or it's a quick voicemail or whatever it is, if it's not their priority, then you're not getting any farther. Is that what you're finding in the market? Yeah, I can absolutely corroborate that. When I train my salespeople, before they pick up their phone, they better know who they're talking to. They better know how old they are, what is their age, i.e. what cohort do they fit in, the four different generations? Where do they fit? Because that affects how they view the world and how we compelling, compellingly reach them. You better know the top two or three issues that are on their head. You better be able to speak directly to what's going to grab their attention. And if you haven't researched that in the past, I call it a researched warm call. The cold call is completely out. They don't work anymore, but a well-researched warm call will. The other thing that I talk about is staging. Oftentimes I like to have my salespeople stage the call. Now, what I mean by that, you research who you're gonna contact and then maybe send them a connect request on LinkedIn. LinkedIn requests come across and they're 10 times more likely to be responded to than just a phone call or an email. So you send them a LinkedIn request or maybe even a LinkedIn video request and they click on it and now they're now connected to you. So that means that they've given you tacit permission to follow up. So you wait the mandatory two to three days because you don't want it to seem like an overeager salesperson. And then you follow up with a well-researched, compelling message. And you know, and basically, you know, we're in the same market. Looks like you have some things that you're doing that are very interesting. I see in your annual report, your sales were just down. And I'd like to talk to you. I may have some ideas that might be helpful. Okay. So ideas, free, 
helpfulness, these kind of things that attracts people's attention. And now you're going to get some time with them uh, on the phone. One author I talked to, he because we advocate this at Lighthouse Consulting, and he said, you know, you're you're talking about hand-to-hand -hand combat. And I said, yes, we are, because you have to know these things, otherwise you just look like you're bombing them, spamming them with these generic messages that none of us have time for. Patrick, tell you a little uh, anecdote about the before times. This was more than two years ago. I was at a conference. The speaker on the stage is a, is a baby boomer, like us, an author, like us. We're both authors. And, um, and he was really uh, saying, what you've got to do is just pick up the dang phone. And I'm sitting next to a millennial. And uh, I look at her and I said, oh, I said, back in the day, we used to have to pick up phones to call, you know, because a smartphone, you know. <laughs> and, and, and she smiled and said, yes, I've seen all the old movies. And I, oh, I said, okay, touche. I said, well, if you need me to explain anything else like travel agents or mimeograph machines, just ask. She said, don't worry, I'll just Google that stuff. <laughs> So yeah, I was, it I was is a in an exercise world. class a couple of weeks ago, and this young lady next to me, they were they, they played a Beatles song, and we were exercising and dancing and this, and she goes, oh, that's a good song. Who's that by? And I said, oh, it's by the Beatles. And she goes, oh, I've heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's uh, a brand new yeah. world out there. <laughs> you, you mean Paul McCartney was in a band before Wings? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's a new world out there. Let's talk for a minute about customer service, um, and I, I really think that is such a close companion to sales. Tell me your thoughts on what you're doing with customer service. Well, one of the things that I did uh, this past year is I, I delivered a series of three seminars on the idea of customer service. It was. The, the seminar series was customer service excellence, and I delivered that with Lighthouse. It was, it was very popular. It turns out in COVID, people needed to have online training uh, delivered over the web at their homes. And so there was a lot of attention on customer service. So we spent a lot of time on customer service excellence. Now, the key is if your customer service, your customer facing people are not trained in customer satisfaction, and they don't know how to pleasantly respond to a phone call. They don't know how to put a smile on their face over the phone, and they come across as rude or arrogant. You can lose your potentials right off the bat before you even get into point A to point B, because they're calling a lot of different people, and oftentimes the person on the phone who is the most pleasant the most professional and has the best, most compelling voice, that's who they respond to. So it's a very, and, and on Zoom, you see it on Zoom calls where you see there's people that are on Zoom calls and they're, they're leaning back and they're looking at the floor, they're doing, you know, they're playing around with their video or they're, you know, they've got their cell phone and they're answering messages in the middle of the phone call and they're doing things that are just outright rude. Uh, 
So if customer service people, they need to be trained if they don't have those skills. And then they also have to be trained how to, how to respond and when do you respond? And how do you, how do you have sympathy for somebody or how do you mirror and match their emotions? Uh, there's a topic called entrainment. It's part of neuro-linguistic programming. Mm -hmm. And how do you entrain or match their tone level and then bring them up to a different tone? And all of those skills are really valuable to customer service people. And we did a whole seminar series on it. It was a lot of fun. People really benefited from it. I have a book I'll gift you. It's right up your alley. It's called The Seven Dumb Things We All Say. And it's from a, a man who's been handling call centers and customer service for several decades. And he's listened in on maybe a million phone calls. And there's some different things that keep coming up over and over, just as you're talking and, and saying these things about um, not thinking about what you're really saying there and the message that's coming across. So uh, I'll share that with you. Oh, that'd be terrific. I'd love to see it. Yeah. So what was uh, the title of your last book, Patrick? My last book was, uh, matter of fact, I've got it right here. The last book I had was uh, Find Lost Revenue. Tell me more. Well, I was on a speaking tour with uh, four other consultants. Uh, in a consulting group that we belong to. And we were speaking on the, the, the whole thing was 50 ideas in 50 minutes. And so each one of the consultants had about 10 questions and we each spent a minute on the question and we would rapid fire through all these questions. And at the end, the audience normally would be like 50 to 100 people. The audience would invariably come up to the podium and say, can I get more? Do you have a transcript of what you talked about? I, I'd like to follow up more. And so I had just published my first book, which was, uh, you know, Precision Selling. And so with the other four consultants, I said, well, I know how to self-publish. Uh, why don't we put our thoughts together? If you can each give me 50 pages, I will publish it. So I didn't think anybody was going to respond to that because people always, all the time will tell you, that they're a writer and that they write. And then you ask them what they wrote and they don't have anything. So anyway, I asked my consultants for 50 pages a piece and they, honest to God, they got it to me. So I pulled it all together. We had some meetings to figure out what, what goes in what category because we basically talked about marketing. We talked about sales training. We talked about sales management. We talked about business development. So all of the elements relative to sales but the bottom line was, how do you make more money? Let's find lost revenue. Where are the revenue sources that you don't have? And so that's how we published it. It was very successful. It's available on Amazon, as all my books are. And uh, it's doing very well and uh, filled with tips. And so that was one of my, uh, that was my second. Well, let's get out the crystal ball. I want some future gazing here. Uh, the, the great predictor, Patrick. <laughs> so three things uh, I wanted to talk about. One is the war for talent in sales. Uh, the second thing is you talked about big data, implications for that. And the third would be artificial intelligence. So let's start with that, the war for talent in sales. What are you seeing these days? Well, top salespeople are being poached from companies all the time. If, if you're one of the things that you can do, if you're competing with someone, 
find out who they are, find out who their top salespeople are. And one success, successful strategy is steal their best salespeople, you know, entice them away with a better package, better whatever. Now, the downside of that is if, if it's really hard to steal them, that's probably a good sign. But if it's really easy to steal them, then guess what? You're probably not going to be, you're not going to inherit anybody that has a lot of loyalty. But that said, particularly with younger people under the age of 40, I hate to say this, but there's not much loyalty. They've been trained since birth that they're only loyal to themselves and they're only loyal to what their own interests are and where they want to go. And look out for yourself, forget about the company. Uh, rightly or wrongly, the world has trained them that way from birth. And so built into millennials and Gen Z and some of the Gen Xers is not much, you know, not much loyalty. Whereas if you go to the Gen Xers and the baby boomers like myself, you know, we would work for companies for, you know, 15, 20 years. And oftentimes you find people that have stayed with the company for their lifetime. So with regard to that, so companies are poaching other people. Uh, but the other side of that is that there's a lot of people that right now are, they kind of, in during COVID, they realized that they were really bored with where they were at, or they were looking for a better career. And so there's a huge opportunity right now, if you're building a sales organization or building a, you know, a leadership team, there's a lot of people out there that are very willing to listen and might consider moving from one company to another. So it's a great opportunity right now. And uh, most of the companies I know, and what I do with, with Lighthouse is whenever I'm recruiting for a company, I always recruit for the people. Uh, I have criteria that I recruit for, but one of the criteria is, is the person I'm talking to, if I ask them a direct question, do they answer the question within less than a minute? And do they listen to me when I ask the question? Because if they can't listen and they can't coherently put together their thoughts within less than a minute, I don't want them on the team. And so when I do screening interviews, I look for those things. And also I do testing with Lighthouse on the final candidates to make sure that their, their personality really jives with the company that I'm recruiting for. Well, that is a competitive edge when you can do the in-depth work style, personality assessments, and one, for the recruiting. Mm -hmm. Two, it's also managing people the way they want to be managed. And we know that a relationship with the manager is probably more important than the financial package because yeah. you, you have to have that. I mean, do you find that also? Absolutely. I. Uh... We have three candidates that I was recruiting for a manufacturing company, and all three of them tested really well. But one of them had a test, and there's a factor in the in, in Dana's in Lighthouse's uh, personality test that basically it's called the fudge factor, or it's basically you can go into a personality test and you can basically lie, not lie, but kind of. Uh, Falsify tell them what they want to accomplish. hear. Yeah, yeah. Tell them what they want to hear. And we had one candidate that was like that. And so we, you know, he was not on the shortlist anymore. And I tell you what, that really saved us because everybody thought he was the best candidate. But the test revealed that it was best because he was overemphasizing traits and claiming accomplishments that weren't in fact true. 
And we found that on that test. And so he was out of the loop and we ended up uh, hiring an outstanding candidate who actually is still there a year and a half later and doing a terrific job. That's a great story. What about big data? So you mentioned big data. This is on the horizon. Well, it's, I mean, it's happening now, but what are the implications for those small to medium-sized businesses? Larger companies like IBM, Coca-Cola, Microsoft, Apple, they have massive servers and they have massive amounts of data. If you actually requested your profile from Facebook and actually wanted to find out how much information does Facebook collect on you, you would be astounded and frankly scared. Well, right now with big data, big data is you're taking massive servers and they're collecting data aggregates across all kinds of databases. So what does that mean? That means if you're putting together a marketing campaign and let's say that you want to sell cookies to Eskimos, just taking a stupid example, right? Well, big data, if you have the right people that know data analytics, they will know where all the Eskimos live geographically. They know they will be able to figure out what their age is, what the average age. They will be able to find out how many Eskimos are buying cookies, where they're buying them from. They'll be able to aggregate all this information about the buying patterns, the demographics, and uh, not only the Eskimos, but also what kind of cookies they're buying. And then you can do the demographics of cookie sales across the United States, where they're being bought, why they're being bought, what kind of cookies are the most popular, the top 10 cookies. Uh, so now you have your target market completely figured out, what you're selling them completely figured out, and then you put them together. Now, the important thing is this is being all done by machine-based algorithms. So you've got algorithms, i.e. computer programs, that are able to go onto the web and they're going to be able to they're going to be able to search millions of records within a few minutes. And they're going to really be able to aggregate all this information together and come up with the exact thing. Not only that, you've got AI systems, artificial intelligence systems, right? That can take all that demographics and they will come back to you with a script to be able to write to, call, or do a video that's going to appeal to your target market of Eskimos selling this particular cookie. And all that's being done by big data and artificial intelligence. It's just absolutely astounding. Not only that, if your salespeople, if you've built in your, your contact software into your phone system or onto your computer system, you can have a salesperson listening on a call and the person that's talking says something that triggers the AI to suggest that the next question you should ask is this question, right? So you've got artificial intelligence coming into prompting the salespeople into how to handle an objection and what to say during the call in real time. Absolutely astounding. Amazing. Well, you set the bar very high for interviews on the cracking the business code podcast. Thank you so much for all the great information you've shared today. If someone wanted to reach you, Patrick, how would they get in touch with you? Uh, they can reach me through my either directly or they can reach me through my Lighthouse. Uh, but my, uh, my email, uh, my business email, 
uh, is Patrick at Connexia Group, C-O-N-N-E-X-I-A Group, G-R-O-U-P dot com. And my Lighthouse email is Patrick M at Lighthouse uh, dot com. Yes. And they can also find you on the LighthouseConsulting.com website under the team. So thank you so much for being with us today. And this is Henry DeVries. I am the marketing research consultant at Lighthouse Consulting and the director of marketing. And thank you for listening and look forward to having some more business insights and helping you crack the business code. <laughs>